Father in heaven, thank you that we can gather in freedom this morning, to worship in freedom this morning. And Lord, as we conclude our series on prayer, I, I, I do pray that it would have been a series that you have spoken to hearts, to lives, it would have touched people, but most of all, it would have encouraged people to spend more time with you in intimate moments of prayer, in intimate moments of hearing from you and acknowledging your presence and bringing all things before you. So, Lord, we thank you. We pray that you would, by your spirit, touch hearts this morning, by your word. And we pray again that we would leave this place changed a bit more in your likeness to do what you desire of us to do. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want want to ask you one important question this morning as we conclude our series of prayer. I can't believe it's been 10 weeks already, but here we are. And here's the question I want to ask this morning. If you could ask God for one thing, more of one thing, what would it be? If you could ask God this morning for more of one thing in your life, what would it be? Now, for some of you, it, it, it may be, you know, resources. For some of you, it may be more love in your life. For some of you, it may revolve around the question of health. And strength, it, it's a question that, you know, pertaining on what your situation is, it could come to anything. And we live in a culture of more that always is pushing us to more, more, you know, uh, that, that we're never to be satisfied, that, that we all need more, that, that, that our lives aren't, aren't really fulfilled unless we have more of this or more of that or, or you know, uh, more, more of what... You ever notice it's more of what you don't have that they're always pointing you towards? So more is a, is a big question and is a big um, perceived need in our culture. So the question again is, if you could ask God this morning for more of something in your life, what would it be? And this morning as we kind of conclude our whole series of prayer, we are going to look at a prayer that the Apostle Paul gives that asks that specific question, if you could ask God for more, what would it be? And, and I think you're going to be surprised a little bit by the answer um, because uh, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful prayer. We're going to look at Ephesians 1. And this is, a, this is a, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And um, it's a very prominent letter in the New Testament. It has some beautiful passages about spiritual warfare, about praying, about, about, um, about the cosmic influence that we have as a church, as people of God. And, and uh, I, I think we're going to really gain some insights this morning as we look at this whole topic of prayer. And by the way, if you like taking Mediterranean cruises, 
Okay? How many of you do not like taking a Mediterranean cruise? You know, can, you're not going to stand out today, are you? Okay. So if, 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 you, if you love taking Mediterranean cruises, Ephesus is still on, on the cruise itinerary, right? You can actually go to Ephesus nowadays and see the antiquities of this time period that Paul is writing to this church, right? So it's, it's, it's kind of a neat letter when, when you've been there and you've seen the... Uh, you know, the remnants of the church and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's a really neat letter. So we're going to look, we're going to dive right into uh, Ephesians 1, verse 15 to 23. And let's start reading together. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Now I want to stop right there. Here's the Apostle Paul right into this church, and look how he categorizes it. He says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere. Now, isn't that a a beautiful summary statement of a church? Imagine if people would say of Village Green, we have heard about your strong faith in Jesus Christ and your love for people everywhere. I don't know about you, but if that was, uh, if that was like kind of the blanket statement, the, the reputation, the opinion that people had about this church, what more would you ask? What more could you ask for as people involved in this community, as people that, that desired something from this church? That is, that is quite a statement coming from an apostle that here is a church, here is a church that has this incredibly strong faith in Jesus Christ and has a love for people everywhere, so much so that it's reached the ears of the apostle, that it's part of the heritage, it's part of the reputation that this church has. And Paul says this, you know, I, I think that's a beautiful statement. In fact, most of us would say, stop, we don't have to do anymore. We're okay. This is, this is what it's all about. This is the pinnacle of what we want to be as a church. This is the pinnacle of what we want to be. And if you're a believer here this morning, this is, this is, all, this is all you're probably ever, ever moving towards in terms of the, the purpose that God has in your life, that you want to love Jesus ultimately with your life, and you want to love people everywhere. Right? That's the first two parts of the great commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor. As yourself. It doesn't get any better than that. And Paul says, I'm going to pray for you. Now, for the church that has everything, for the people that have everything, perceptually everything, what would you pray for? If you were going to ask God to give this, these people more, what would you give them? What would you pray for them? What would you desire for them to have? I think... You know, I, I, I personally was really struck by that statement. You could say that to this church, and yet you're going to pray for them. You know, what words? What are you going to ask for them? So here it is. Paul now praying for them. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray That your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Okay, the first two things that the Apostle Paul wants to pray more into the life of these people and more into the church is this, the knowledge of God. 
That is a beautiful, beautiful introduction that Paul wishes, that Paul prays for these people who have this deep love for Jesus and a deep love for people everywhere to have a more knowledge of God himself. We cannot exhaust ever in our lifetime, we cannot exhaust ever in our lifetime our knowledge of God. God is so immeasurably more than we can ever hope or imagine that we cannot ever exhaust our knowledge of God. That is the wonder of the creator. That is the wonder of the one who spoke everything into existence. We can't fathom for a second the, 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 the presence of God fully. The person of God fully. It is an ever-evolving world that expands before us when we're talking about the person and the character of God. And to think that every one of you have been uniquely made in his image tells you just how incredibly expansive the person and the nature of God is. Think about that for a moment. You cannot ever exhaust knowing God. I remember, I remember, I remember the very first time um, I, had a, I have an older friend who came to the Lord very well educated, um, very smart man. I remember the first time we went to Grand Rapids. I went to Grand Rapids on a, on a book tour. Have you ever gone on a book tour? Um, at Grand Rapids, they have a bookstore about the size of chapters. They're just a Christian bookstore, okay? So he couldn't, you know, when we first became a Christian, he decided to come with me because I had to go buy textbooks for the school and all that. Anyway, all, all that stuff. So he couldn't fathom in his own mind that we were going to a store that had all these books on just one book, okay? So I remember walking into this one section, and it was all commentaries and books on just the book of Ephesians. And I remember him just standing there going, what? You know, like, you got to be kidding. Like, he could not believe. And then, and then he started looking at the dates, right, from the 1800s, 1900s, 2000. Like, it, it would just... It was just like a little kid in a candy store. He could not believe just the expanse of books that spoke about this one little book inside of this one big book, right? Right? He was just blown away. And, and I, I remember sitting there and saying, you know, I've, I've been in this too long. And I've lost that kind of, you know, uh, early, um, you know, when I, when I, when I first came to to become a believer and realize just how big God was and just to learn more about his character and his nature. And Paul says, you know, you may think you have it all together, but to learn more about God will eventually help you learn more about yourself and the world he's created. And if you learn those things, you will never go wrong. The knowledge of God that I, that I pray that and, and because, and here's, here's the, the, the interesting connection. The more you learn about God the more you grow in spiritual wisdom. Okay? There's a correlation. There is a correlation between knowledge and wisdom. In our present world there is not necessarily a, a connecting line, very, very well written out between the things that you learn and how to apply them in wisdom. 
Okay? We have a lot of knowledge in our world. We have very little wisdom. Okay? A lot of knowledge. We may, you know, it's, it's a proverbial, we may have the parts, we just don't know what to do with them. Okay? A lot of knowledge, but very little wisdom. Right? But biblically, the knowledge of God gives us, gives us, right, a tendency towards wisdom in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual world. That's the beautiful thing about it, too. Here's the second thing that comes out of this. More light in your hearts. More light in your hearts. This is a very personal thing that Paul is talking about. May your hearts be flooded with light so that you can understand this confident hope that you have. And I love this because confident hope and hope in the Bible is always driven Not by a wishful expectation. This is really important. Hope in the Bible is driven by the promises of God. May you live with that light in your heart. May you live with more light in your heart. Because we live in a dark world. Paul is is pleading with God to give the experience of more to these Ephesians. To these people in this Ephesus church that they would be more people of light in their heart. And listen, the more light in your heart, the more open you are to things like compassion, mercy, other people's circumstances, other people's situations, um, more compassionate to uh, the needs of others, all of that. The more that you're driven by the things of God versus the things of yourself. That's an amazing thing to ask for. That is an amazing thing to ask for. Ask yourself today, and it's a very, you know, open the eyes of my heart. You know, you know the song, Open the Eyes of My Heart? Right? That comes out of passages like this. That's, that's what drove him to, to write that song. There is something about having this knowledge in your head that needs to transfer itself to light in your heart. The two are related. The two, the two, the two work in tandem. And Paul is asking this church to have both. Okay? Um, Let's continue. All right? That's the first two. I also pray, he says, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believed him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Wow. That is quite a prayer. And by the way, he's only getting started in this letter. This is in the first chapter. Okay? That's quite a letter. Here's here's more of the third thing that he asked for in their lives, is that more of God's power. I love this, that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power. And listen to this. This is the same power 
that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand. For the Apostle Paul, for most of us, when we think of God's power, we think of God's ability to be able to speak creation into into existence just by the breath of his word. That's what we think is powerful, that God could take the heavens, hold it in the palm of his hand, and do whatever he wants with it. That is not the power that impresses the Apostle Paul. The power that impresses the Apostle Paul is that God could raise Jesus from the dead. That is the same power that Paul hopes that we come to understand that the resurrection is the pinnacle of God's power. That the resurrection is the place that, 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 that points us to a powerful God who can do immeasurably more in our lives than we could ever hope or imagine. That we have the power of the resurrection to live our lives in a whole new way. I love what Ravi Zacharias says. He says, faith is confidence in the person of Jesus Christ and in his power so that even when his power does not serve my end, my confidence in him remains because of who he is. Isn't that a beautiful statement? Beautiful statement. And the last thing, the way that, that Paul concludes this prayer is this. He says, I want you to have more of Jesus. More of Jesus. Because Jesus is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Now, if you're a believer here this morning, how do you resonate with that? Is that your prayer for others? That they would just have Jesus in their lives. This is a really important distinction. Most of us, if we're, if we're Christians, what we say is this. This is what we say. We want to bring them to church. How many of us instead say, we want to show them Jesus? Now, I'm not disparaging the church or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just saying, what is your primary focus is it, is it introducing them to Jesus or giving them a, a religious system to adopt? That's what I'm trying to say. For the Apostle Paul, he is acknowledging that more Jesus in your life is the best thing that could happen in your life. And that it would be a desire for each and every one of us. Listen, one of our vision statements here at the church is, is not growing wider, just not growing wider, but growing deeper as well. And you know what? In, you know, um, most of us have acknowledged that the church is growing, that, that we're seeing more people come, and that is a good thing, right? You know, God wants us to grow. But at the same time, he wants us to grow deeper as well, not just wider. It's very important. That's why life groups are so important. That's why uh, Infusion Prayer Night tonight is so important. That, that we have an opportunity and environments to inculcate into our own lives, uh, 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 you know, a depth of spiritual awakening for each and every one of us. It's so important. That's part of our vision statement. You know, we want to be real. You know, um, I, I love what Ray Ortland says. 
Ray Ortland, a couple of years ago, in one of his ser- sermons, said that we as people are not necessarily integrated, that we're, un- we're not, we're not u- unified whole persons. He says this. I like this. I-, I want you to hear this if you can, okay, because I really like this illustration. He says, our hearts are multi-divided. It's like we have this boardroom in every heart. Imagine a big table, leather chairs, coffee, bottled water, and a whiteboard. And there's this committee that sits around the table in your heart. There is the social self, the private self, the work self, the sexual self, the recreational self, the religious self, and a bunch of others. The committee is arguing and debating and voting, constantly agitated and upset. Rarely can they come to a unanimous, wholehearted decision. We tell ourselves we're this way because we're so busy with so many responsibilities. But the truth is that we're just divided unfocused, hesitant, and unfree. Okay? He says, that kind of person can accept Jesus in two ways. One way is to invite him into the committee. Give him a vote, too. But then he becomes just one more complication. The other way is to accept Jesus, is to say to him, my life isn't working. Please come in, and I want you to fire the whole committee. Every last one of them. I hand myself over to you, and I am now your responsibility. Please run my whole life. Accepting Jesus is not just adding him to all the other people on the committee. It's firing all the others and letting him run your life. I think that's a beautiful picture of what happens in our hearts. Isn't, it? Isn't, that, isn't that true? And how many of us wage this kind of personal war inside of us and the tug of war and, and wrestle against God and wonder why God isn't doing things in our lives and we realize we've never ever given it over to him? We say we do, but we like to manage things on our own. I, I know I'm always struck by the, by, the, by the phrase in the Gospel of John where Jesus you know, says to the people, you can do nothing without me. Now, I don't know how that strikes you to hear that, but you know, every, every, every time I teach the Gospel of John at the, at the college, I, I don't know how many times students stop me in my tracks when I get to that part of the lesson. Uh, excuse me, what does it mean in the Greek? Right? Because everybody wants to find an out. Okay? I, 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 and I, it's, I sort of, one time I comically opened up a Greek Bible and said, it says, you can do nothing. You guys don't find that funny? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Please laugh. Like, it's, I, I need the laughter at this point. You know? um, because it, it, it's funny. It's funny because, because no matter how much we want to get out of it, it does nothing. Which, which is amazing because Jesus is simply trying to say, if you're going to try and manage things on your own, without God, without me, it's not going to work. It's going to fail. You're going to hit a dead end. It's going to be difficult. And you're going to fight against what God has naturally given you is this ability to be in a relationship with him, to pray to him, to allow him to open up your heart and your life. You know? That's a beautiful prayer. It's a prayer for more, but certainly not the kind of more that we would have expected. More in the knowledge of God. 
more in the knowledge of God. More light in your hearts. More of God's power and more of Jesus. Beautiful passages. Now, I've been telling you for nine weeks that there's only one biblical passage in my mind that actually talks about the benefit of praying, that every time you pray, here's the potential benefit you're going to get from it. Because most of us, when we pray, we're looking for the answers, right? We're looking, we're, we have expectations of how God is going to answer. We have, you know, if you're, on, if you're, if you're truthful with, with yourself, you're struggling between uh, can he and will he when you pray, Right? And, and for most of us, when we're praying to God about something, when we're saying to God, I want more of this, I need more of this, we already have in our minds what God sh- or how God should answer those prayers, right? But here's the one passage that talks about what is the benefit, what is the personal benefit you get when you pray. And it's this passage right here out of Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. If we could have the next slide. Please, I love this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then. You see the little word then? Then. That's a, that's a connecting word. You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard you, guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, let's unpack this a little bit, right? This is the personal benefit prayer for each and every one of you if you commit yourselves to prayer on, on a constant basis. I love how it introduces, Paul introduces this. Don't worry about anything, okay? We live, I don't know about you, for some reason, the last number of weeks... Uh, the anxiety level has just been raised. Um, I don't know if it's just a personal thing or whatever, but if you look at, at the landscape of our news today, there is a lot to be anxious about. You, you, you know, the, the election down south and the potential fiscal cliff and, and the economy, right? That's, that's an anxiety. You look at the Middle East right now, right? That's an anxiety, um, there are very few places um, that, that, how many of you are anxious that just Christmas is coming? You know, right? Like, let's, let's talk about bad timing. Um, even though Christmas comes the same time every year, it never seems to come at the right time. Um, you know, right? But is it not true that there's a lot of potential anxiety in the world today? That if you want to be wrapped up in everything that is going on, you can get pretty anxious because there's a lot of bad stuff going on. And it just seems in the last few weeks, I don't know if I've just noticed it more, but it just seems to have escalated more. Okay? But there's a lot to be anxious about. And this is what's the beautiful thing. If you can worry, you can pray. If you can occupy your mind with those things that bounce around in the space of your head, you can surely put a few thoughts together and fire them up to God. Amen? Amen. And to have the capacity to worry tells you that God has given us the capacity to pray. Okay? 
Billy Graham's wife wrote, Ruth, she, she wrote one time, there is no room um, that worship and worry cannot live in the same heart. One bumps the other out. Okay? So worship and worry cannot inhabit the same heart space, is what she said. Um, and, and, I, and I love what Paul tells us that we receive when we offer everything up to God, when we pray, that when we take those anxieties and we transfer them to God, he gives us peace. He gives us peace. And notice that that's a personal thing that we have that says nothing about the, the circumstances around us. It says nothing about controlling the environment around us. But it says everything about how we are in the midst of it. And notice how how the passage says that it's going to guard both your heart and your mind. That the two things that Paul prayed for in the Ephesians, about, about the knowledge of God, the light in your heart, all of those things, that God would protect those things, would guard those things in your life. With his peace. And I love the fact, the peace that passes all understanding, that goes beyond our human comprehension. That it's a peace that people look at you and they say, look, in the midst of everything that is going on in your life, you should be a wreck. You should be falling apart. You should be derailed. How can you, how can you possibly be enduring the things that you're enduring? How can you possibly be going through what you are going through? How can you possibly be praising God in the midst of all this? How can you possibly be saying God works all things together for good to those who love him? How can you say that? Because for those that that don't understand the power of prayer, that don't understand the peace that comes with it, don't understand that God is actively engaged in the world and God is more interested in your faith than he is in the circumstances around you, that he will give you a peace that they just can't fathom in the midst of your things. And it will guard your heart and your mind. Paul doesn't leave any part of your, of your, of your you know, psyche out of it. Very strong, strong passage. How many of you would long for more peace in your life? If there was one thing that you would ask God more for, what would it be? Is peace one of them? Did you know that peace is the natural outworking of your prayer life that is part of the promise of God when you commit all things to him? Right? That's, I, think that's, I, I think that's, listen, you know, you need, you need, you need to wrap your head around that. I'm sorry I didn't tell you that, that, that if you pray right, God will give you the desires of your heart. I'm sorry I didn't tell you that. I'm sorry I can't tell you that, that God will answer every prayer positively, that, that you'll be healed every time, that you'll be restored every time, that your relationships would be perfect, that, that every, every, everything that you'd ever ask God for would come you know, in, in, in bright red on four wheels and, and six speeds. You know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I can't tell you that. Okay? 
Yeah, you guys are awake. Yeah. Sorry I can't tell you that. But the greatest thing that God will give you is a peace that passes all your circumstances and understanding. I think that's powerful. Right? You know, um, the real power of prayer is not what you get to ask God for, but what God is able to do in you that nothing else in this life can match. You know, one of the most repeated comments I've gotten over the last 10 weeks as we've done this series on prayer is I've learned to pray and to just give it to God. Uh, you know, to me, to me, that's the one statement I was hoping to hear from people, to just surrender it to God because the battle is his, that I'm no longer wrestling with will he, you know. Uh, I know he can, but I'm no longer wrestling with the will he. I've, I've surrendered it all up because I know it's, it's God's battle, you know. And, 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 and I'm realizing, too, that I'm not finished until God says I'm finished, right? So many of you resonated with that. And that I'm not alone when I pray. That God's spirit is my advocate, especially when life paralyzes me. And remember last week's thought, we said that life has to be translated, you know. And, and we have the word of God and the spirit of God to translate life for us. Otherwise, we would translate life by what we fear and how we feel. That's the beauty of, 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 of the scripture and the spirit of God in our lives. Because it helps us to translate our lives so we understand that God is doing a work in us. Not always in the circumstances or the situations surrounding us. That God is more intent on doing something in us that will transform us. And then through that, in the light of, in our hearts and the knowledge of God, they are, we are able to do to others and demonstrate God's love to others in a way that, would, that speaks so powerfully to the world around us. And we really are transformed. Here are a couple of key thoughts. Prayer changes things and is often the catalyst that God uses to do the miraculous. We saw a number of stories when we were first starting the series how prayer was the catalyst for something remarkable to happen. That it was the catalyst that God used to do the miraculous thing in people's lives. And we've said this a number of times. If you forget the prayer, you often forfeit the miracle. Right? If you forego prayer, you'll forfeit the miracle. God is looking to do something in your life. And he'll do it in an unexpected way. He'll do it in a way you couldn't possibly imagine. So stop figuring out. The, the, by the way, stop uh, putting, putting results to your prayers before God puts the result to your prayer. Because God will do something that you could never have imagined possible. I don't know how many, again, I don't know how many times in the last 10 weeks... People have said to me, God answered my prayers, and you'll never believe how. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, I will. You know, you know it, it's amazing. God always loves to answer a prayer in a way that reminds you that he's actively involved in your life. Actively involved in your life. And here's the second one. I just threw this one in. Prayer is the wide open road, never a dead end. Amen? Amen. Prayer is the wide open road. It is never the dead end. Okay? So, 
If you, if you, if you pray with that acknowledgement that, that, that it's all whatever God can do. And I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating the incredible thing that God can do in the midst of my life. You're going to have a life that you're going to look back and you're going to be able to say, I remember the time God did this. I remember the time God did that. I remember the time that God moved the mountain when we couldn't even touch. I remember a time when God did. I remember a time when we were really to fall apart. I remember a time in God and God and God and God and God and God and God. And that's the miracle of what it means to walk in faith. With God. Here's our memory verse two for the last week. Memory verses. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and He has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and He is eternal life. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Another beautiful, beautiful passage. We began this morning with the question, what would you ask God for more of in your life? Were there any of the things that that Paul prayed for this church in Ephesus that had everything supposedly? Were there any of those things? Because Paul knows there's lots of things that God could answer in your life. Hear me out on this. There are lots of things that you are going through right now that God could speak out of your life with one snap. Because he doesn't, does not mean that he is not powerful, that he is not able. The hard lesson to learn is that God is looking to do something more in your life than just the immediate need that you're surrounded with. For some of you this morning, that is one of the hardest things to hear because you're going through incredible difficulty, be it relationally, be it financially, be it whatever, at work or whatever. But believe me, God can do immeasurably more than you've ever hoped or imagined and somehow, some way, because he's God, because we don't fully understand him, he is able to work all things out for good. I'm glad I don't have to work that out. I'm glad you don't have to work that out. But I'm glad that God, who is able, can work that in your lives. Do we believe that this morning? Amen. Amen. Thank you for these 10 weeks. I, I hope it's been an incredible journey. Um, it's been the most challenging series, even for myself, in these last two weeks. And I hope we've gone through this incredible journey together. I just want to pray um, as we conclude the series. And uh, thank you for those of you that participated in, in many ways with the comments and the emails and, and the phone calls and everything. It was just, it was just a very encouraging 10 weeks. And, and, and I pray that you will continue to pray, that you will not lose the sense of of what we've driven through in in these 10 weeks. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, the series has been entitled Hear Us Now, and we pray this morning that you would indeed hear us now.
that you would hear us when we claim our weaknesses before you. That you would hear us when we say sometimes we're more interested in our kingdom than your kingdom. That you would hear us when we say that sometimes we want to manage the things of life our own way. And sometimes even get upset when you stop us from what you know is a dead end for us. And how sometimes, Lord, we can even get angry at you for doing that. But Lord, I pray that you would hear us now. That our hearts this morning are acknowledging that you are sovereign over all things. That you would hear us now when we say forgive us. That you would hear us now, Lord, when we say that as a church... We long to be a people of prayer, a people who, like the church at Ephesus, even though we may love you and love others well, that we are craving for more. Because, Lord, all around us is a world that is making even Christians anxious because sometimes we forget that we have you on our side. Hear us, Lord, when we say that we are thankful for what you have given us. That just like the Apostle Paul that says that you would give us peace when we offer up our needs to you and then we respond in thankfulness that we can do so. That you would give us a peace that guards our hearts and our minds and passes all human understanding. Lord, hear us now as we conclude this series, that we long for a relationship with you that is deepened by those moments where we bow our heads and we commune with you. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you have taught us in this last 10 weeks. And we pray your blessing, your strength, your continued guidance, and the unifying spirit to do all that... uh, he is able to do in a people who have yielded themselves to the risen Lord. So we thank you as we continue our worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.